Hello there. Hello there. And welcome to another episode of the Sift Takers Snapshots podcast. My name's Bob D, and with me for this show is Rich Polly. How you doing, Rich? Hello there. Yeah, I'm good, thank you. I'm tired, but good. Okay. And you're tired because you have just travelled back from the Bristol area. That's right. So three and a half hours of driving. Fortunately, the day after the event, not the day of the event. So, okay. uh, but yeah. Because you were down for the uh, hyperspace trial hosted, was it in Bristol? Um, yeah, it was in, uh, it was just outside Bristol. It was in, in one of the kind of little satellite villages. Um, it was about a 15 minutes drive outside of Bristol, um, but it was 15 minutes drive from where I was staying. So um, rather than running it in the um, Excelsior game store, they'd hired a local village hall. Um, to I think it was run by the Greenaway family, so I think it was their local village hall because they seem to know everybody. Um, and the entire Greenaway family was there, three generations, um, grandma, and uh, everybody was there helping to run the thing. So, um, yeah, it was really good. Um, 62 players in the end, so two no-shows. Um, so the room was packed out. Um, it was well, it was good, 62 yeah. Is a really, 62 is a really, really healthy number. Yeah, I mean, the, so this is the... First one, I think, that the Southwest has had, um, the first hyperspace trial Excelsior have run. Um, so they had the guys up from Tin Squadron in Cornwall. They had the guys up from, I'm going to say Dark Sphere, or kill me, because they gave me a one straight and everything. Um, so they're up from Plymouth, and then a bunch of local um, squadrons from around Bristol, Somerset, um, and then a few people from a bit further afield, so a few people over from London, um, myself down from obviously Manchester. Um, I think between me and the Cornwall guys, um, we were the two equidistant furthest travellers. Um, so yeah, I mean, sixty-two players is a is a really healthy healthy event. It was good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you don't hear a lot out of the the southwestern scene, but it, it seems super healthy. And whenever you go to the big national events, there's always a good southwestern presence, which is great to see. So no yeah. real surprise that they have such a huge uh, hyperspace. No, not not really. And I mean, one thing I have to say is that I went into the room and I kind of and you recognised one face, um, James Humphrey, who have, uh, Humphrey, sorry, who I've known for years before I even played X Wing, um, and I randomly see him at events, and I was kind of like, oh, great. And then I kind of recognised a few other people, um, so like I spotted Chris Burnett, who's been on the pod before, um, a few other people, but I really didn't recognise anybody, but um, apart from those two guys, but um, beyond that it didn't matter um within like about half an hour um kind of everybody was just chatting away and it was being super friendly um so yeah, it was a really really friendly happy room um from my perspective it was it was awesome nice and and well the southwest is my favorite part of the country bristol's such a, a fantastic city it's just a nice nice place to be uh so on to the x-wing after our chat on friday about what might rich fly what did you end up taking um, so I listened to it and it informed my choice somewhat. I chose nothing that anybody had thought I might do. Um, <laughs> and went, um, I went into uh, Gary McDowell's list that he'd um, won in Corquis when he'd been on the pod. Um, I was chatting to him about it a lot before and after the podcast he was on. And he kind of convinced me. I did a couple of runouts um, against um, Stee, um, the local um, to Bolton, who's also a cyst taker. Um, and kind of convinced myself that it was a good list. Um, and uh, so I took that, um, and it was a lot of fun. Really enjoyed it. Okay. So that's uh, Naked Wolf, 
And yep. then you've got two Jedi being Mace Windu with R4 and calibrated laser targeting. And yep. then you've got Luminara with Chopper yep. and then matched it with R4 and Ion. Yep, that's it. Four I4s, all 50 points. Made everything easy for my brain. Um, so calculating points became a very, very simple thing. So yeah, it yeah, and it's it's a good it's a good little list. And yeah, Colm said on the cast last week. You look at it, and you think, how on earth does that work? It is not it is not right. There are a lot of decisions about what upgrades are on those ships that just don't seem to make a lot of sense. For example, just chopper and no configuration on Luminara. Yeah, um, I don't think it's an optimised list. I think there's play, and we talked about this with Gary, so I don't want to go into a huge amount of detail with it. Um, I think the, the, the benefit of being able to have everything at I4 and move whenever you want it to is brilliant, um, especially because a lot of the ships are like action agnostic. It's great if they can get an action, but you're kind of okay if they don't get one. Um, and it's it's just one of those things where you could probably make it slightly better um, and I'll come on to, you know, maybe it's a slightly evolved version of it. It was one of the games that I played against. Um, so evolved, in fact, that it only had three ships and they were all Jedi. <laughs> Never mind anything else. But <laughs> yeah. it, it was fundamentally... Yeah, well, it was fundamentally doing the same thing as my list, but with um, just a, a stronger um, kind of core to it. Um, which is, you know, using uh, leveraging chopper jams to um, strip tokens off things and then murder them. Um, so, because that's fundamentally what this list does. You want to strip tokens, then eye on something, and then murder it when you know where it's going to be because it's either bumped or jammed and tokenless. Um, when it works, it's amazing because you've got double control. You've got eye on and you've got jam. Um, so when you line it up, it's absolutely fantastic. Um, and one of my games, it, it, it paid off. And I... I kind of killed two of three Jedi just happily. Um, I owned them, you know, turn after turn and then just lined all of my kill um, my kill boxes up on them. Um, so I was just erasing them and it was brilliant. Um, other games where it doesn't pay off, where you don't get the control off, um, it's uh, it's less, less good. And those two dice attacks, Column's absolutely right. Um, if you fall back to relying on two dice shots at range three into Jedi, then you're on a hiding to nothing really. Yeah, I mean, the joy of the list is that with them all being at the same initiative, there is a lot of flexibility in, in how you can approach different types of opponent. I, I haven't flown it myself. My only experience was was losing to Gary in Ireland with this list. And my thought in hindsight is that you can take different approaches depending on the opponent. And there's a lot of lists that don't have that level of uh, flexibility. So did you find that yeah. you were take, using different openings and stuff against different lists? Yeah, it very much depended on turn zero, so where the rocks went. So I brought <laughs> I'll start that again. Um, so Sorry. It very, it's all right. It very much depended. I was depended. reaching for the, the mute and didn't get any time. Yeah, go on. It very much depended on turn zero and where we ended up with the rocks. So I had three gas clouds, um, which in hindsight might not have been the wisest choice. There was hardly any separatists in the room at all. So I kind of took them because of Nantex, but I think there was only two Nantex lists in the entire thing, maybe three, um, but not very many at all. Um, so um, basically, wherever you end up with turn zero, I was often setting up first. Um, 
So it, it was just one of those things where you could kind of, you can fly them in a block or you can spread them out. Um, and all of the ships, because they've got barrel rolls and three banks that aren't red, um, are able to move quite quickly with um, a three or a four and then a reposition. Um, so you can catch up to the other ships, you know, if you um, deploy spread out um, or if you fly along in a block, um, that's quite good as well because, you know, you can just fire three target locks on matchstick turn one. Um, and it was, uh, yeah, it, it, it works really well. It's, it's a very, you're, you're right, it's a very flexible list. It's good fun. Good fun as well. That's the most important thing. It is a fun list to play. Yeah, I mean, if you're there for it with, um, as it turns out, was it seven games you played? You want something you can enjoy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. And um, with seven games, we're moving into spoiler territory. How did you get on? <laughs> um, I did all right. Yeah. Um, I got to top eight um, before losing. Um, so I went for Revenge of, the, uh, Revenge of the Swiss against my round four opponent. Um, I did better than I did against him because he was my one loss in Swiss. Uh, so 5-1 in Swiss um, came six. Um, so I had a bit of a maybe if I'd done something differently in my final game, I would have got more MOV. Um, and then I wouldn't have met the guy that absolutely battered me in round four um, in the top eight. But um, that's my only real regret of the entire day. But that was ultimately, I was looking at it and saying, well, I'm 5-1 now. Um, do I hammer out the last three minutes to try and get more MOV to try and win harder? Or do I let the guy who just wants to go home, go home? Because, um, you know, he was like, you've, you've, you've beaten me. I've been battered. Can we just stop? And I said, yeah, OK, no worries. Um, and we called it there. And I took the score that was on the table rather than saying, and that's 200 to me. Um, and then I ended up playing the guy who battered me in round four um, because I didn't secure the extra, whatever it was, 35 MOV or something that was left sitting on the table. Yeah, um, but, but so, you, you, but, you never know. You never know at that moment in that particular game where you're going to end up in the cut. And you well, do exactly. know that if you're not a nice guy, then you're definitely not going to be a nice guy wherever you end up in cut. Yeah, and you know we'd had a really good game, a really fun game. Um, it was one of those games where even though I, I got into a dominant position quite quickly, um, it was still fun and it didn't go salty. You know, and you know it can get quite bad when you get into a dominant position and, and your opponent starts to you know, just kind of not to be fun to play against. Um, and that guy, um, Lee, Lee Robbins, his name was, um, was a spot on opponent because he was down from like the first engage. Um, and he did, you know, he played it out until three minutes from time, um, even though he was in almost an unassailable position. Um, and he played it out with good humour and it was great fun to play against him. So, so yeah. So do, do you want me to your, just... Your, who's your cut loss? Oh, um, so I'm I'm gonna go through because um, I, I need I want to talk about him uh, a little bit more than the other games sure. because I played him twice. Sure. Yeah. Um, so um, I'll just skip very quickly through through my games. Um, round one was against uh, Matt Jennings. He was flying four I four snapshot T seventies with afterburners. Um, so we had Snap Wexley and Kerkun, the old blue ace, um, and then uh, the black squadron ace. Um, that was hard because they were all regening all the time um, and had to grind it out. But I ended up with quite a good win. Um, I have to give a special shout out to Matt because on like the third turn, um, my arc dial slipped from a 4K to a red four straight, which would have led to me flying off the board. And he just said, no, it's obvious that you didn't mean to red four straight your ship so that it will go off the board next turn. So just 4K, that's fine. Um, so it was, again, a super casual first game of the day. And we were both just having that really enjoyable we're here to play with plastic spaceships moment um so i want to 
like special kind of mention to Matt for being solid and not making me fly, fly one of my ships off the board um, before it did anything. Okay. So so that was my first round. Um, then I met, um, I played against my first ever Greenaway, which was Simon um, Greenaway. He was flying quad arcs with shield upgrades and veteran tail gunners. So 40 health, 12 out the front and 8 out the back. And if he catches you front and rear arc, he's shooting twice with his dice. Um, oh, it was so many arcs and so much health and so much everything to get through. Um, it ended up, I think it was 75-25. It was ridiculously close. Um, and it was basically, he had a lot of unmodded dice because we were flying through and over gas clouds. And my Jedi obviously had their force. Um, so my, my greens were holding up um, at that point in time. Uh, so that was uh, a really good game. That went on to um, then Matt Vickery, my third game, um, who uh, apparently is um, told me a lot to say hello to Will. So I've not seen Will since, so I'll do it here. Um, so it's um, I beat him 275, but it was a uh, it, it sounds an awful lot of a more comprehensive victory than it was. It was really really tight until there was about 20 minutes left, and then I've been chipping one damage here and there. He was flying Vader, Duchess, and Grand Inquisitor. Um, and then I, um, I took Grand Inquisitor off and then um, I started getting the jams in on Vader with Chopper. Um, he ended up four starved because of that. And then his green dice crapped out, basically, um, and, and uh, managed to win the game then after I ioned Duchess um, to finish it. But it was super tense until about 20 minutes to go. Um, and then uh, uh, round four, the guy who beat me twice... Um, is a, a Frenchman called Fix Borns. Um, he doesn't get to play a lot. Um, he's just come back into the game, but he is That's a very, very good play player. Enough. Oh, it, it, he apparently picked up his list and had given it a couple of tryout games and thought, yeah, this is decent. An old first edition Imperial Aces player. And he was just, oh, it was brutal. What he did to me in round four, it was absolutely savage. And I have absolutely no complaints because it, an absolute gentleman who totally outflew me. Um, there was one round where I hedged my bets and two banked things instead of committing to going straight or committing to a hard turn. Um, so either going after after the one Jedi that was flanking or the two Jedi that were coming in on the other side. Um, and because I hedged my bets, he basically arc dodged me with all three of them and just opened me up. Um, and then the advantage he got from that, he pressed home. Um, in that game, I managed to pop three shields off of his Jedi all game and two of those wow. he regent back. Well, that um, reminds so, me of a reminds me of a pro tip from Craig Reed. If you've got a choice between doing A and doing B, and if A works out, it's going to be really good, but you'll have missed out on the chance of doing B. Or if B works out, that'd be really good, but you missed out on the chance of doing A. That is, you don't know whether they're going to turn left or turn right. Then what you definitely don't do is C. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I mean, he said that to me, um, and you know, he's very generous and he you know was saying about dice and luck and you know he did one well one round in a wing with two shots because he got a structural damage in on um on a crit that went through under shields and then um you know just in, annihilated it in one turn uh, because of then a direct hit on the next roll um and it was just like yeah that that was a little bit lucky but what you did to get yourself in the position where you were able to do that to me was you know some in, intensely amazing ace play so that was that was really really good it was a really good learning experience and, a, and a, an amazing game like i really enjoyed the game 
um, and I've learned a lot from it as well. So that that was really good. Um, I'll just t touch on his list actually, because I think it might be one of the best Jedi lists that's out there. Um, so you've got Luminara and Obi-Wan with 7B and R2, and one of them has sense. I can't remember which because it wasn't relevant. Looking at um, the um, list fortress, it was the sense he had on Luminara. Okay. Uh, it, he didn't use it because he was moving after me with everything, so he, did, he didn't need it. Um, and then the other one is, is Plo with um, calibrated laser targeting and chopper. Um, so having Plo in the list is really good because he can pull the weapons disable tokens off the 7Bs. Um, which he did once, um, and then also having um, Chopper and Luminara not on the same ship um, means that you can jam something with Plo and then use Luminara's ability um, as well. So, um, yeah, he was uh, he was having a lot of fun with that, and he did really, really well. I think um, he went on to, to top four because he was my, uh, my top eight um, loss. Um, as well, so I got paired back in with him again. And um, you mentioned on you mentioned on the second day, or sorry, later on in the day when you were playing in cut, you you took a different approach, and the the result was a, a lot closer. What what changes do you think you made to try and to try and edge the game from being absolute devastation to something that was was a bit more um, near the mark? Yeah, it was a little bit better because um, I just committed into one of the flanks. Um, and I managed to get half on Plo and half on Obi um, by the end of the game. Um, I think I made a couple of mistakes with not focusing fire at one point. Um, so again, it was another one where I, I think if I was playing him again, uh, it would be closer again. Um, because I learned by playing and doing, not by looking at something and, and kind of head simming it and being good at that stuff. Um but, I mean, he's now played against my list twice, so he might do things differently. Um, so, I mean, one of the things that was critical in this was um, first player. So he had a one-point bid. I had no bid. Um, so he was taking... Um, he, he gave me first player, which meant that I was jamming... I, I was moving and taking actions, which he could then jam off, where when I was jamming his ships, he was taking locks on um, asteroids and uh, gas clouds. Um, at the start of the game, which meant that my first turn of jamming anything was jamming away a target lock that was useless rather than yeah. jamming away a valuable token. Um, so that's a great strategy that, you know, if if you're moving after a chopper carrier, um, you, you definitely want to be doing um, because you you don't want them able to, to pick a good token to take off. Um, you want to force them to, to burn that jam on something useless. Um, so... Um, yeah, so that was round four. Um, round five um, is a game that I remember for a while. Um, it was a guy um, called Ian Holmes who was really awesome. It was, again, a really chilled out game. We were both on um, three and one, so it could have been really tense, but it wasn't. Um, he was flying Tavson, Recoil and Blackout, so First Order. Um, so Tavson had Baffle and uh, something else. Uh, oh, yeah, Biohexacrypt codes. Um, Recoil and Blackout had um, Predator and Trickshot. Um, in the order that makes sense for them to have that. Um, then basically he'd managed to get half points on two of my ships over the course of the entire game, or half points on one ship maybe. No, it was half points on two of my ships over the course of the entire game, and I'd got half points on blackout. Going into the last turn, basically, I needed to half recoil because I couldn't touch Tavson because he was untouched, mm -hmm. um, or kill blackout. Um, I went all in on a block, got the block, and managed to kill box um, recoil with uh, with the other three ships. 
um, and managed to pop half literally on the last turn of the game. So it was like time is cold. You know, we're playing two minutes after the buzzer's gone through on the dice. And it was like, if I can get one damage through on this ship with three modded shots and he's got no actions, um, then I win. Um, and the, the modded dice held out. So I was a bit tense. I was sweating like a beast after that one. Um, <laughs> but that was, uh, it was really intense, but again, really friendly. So like I've had all these intense games um, where, you know, it's gone down to, you know, one way or the other way, really tight, you know, like only a few minutes left and they've been really, really friendly, super friendly the whole way through. Um, and then, yeah, the last game I've already mentioned um, against Lee Robbins, um, he was playing Triple Jedi and um, it was like first engage, I caught Obi-Wan, Obi-Wan Kenobi in, um, in between some rocks so he couldn't fine tune controls and boost. I just blocked him with everything um, and he, yeah, he just died. Um, yeah, they just, just melt, don't they? Yeah, well, once you catch them in something like um, that, where they go into the wrong spot, then it's it's done. Um, but yeah, um, so then yeah, I made top eight. Um, that was awesome. Got stuff. Um, nice, which Congrats. was nice to have. Um, so got some new evade tokens and uh, templates and a few cards and dice and that kind of stuff. So that was awesome. And then yeah, I played fix again. Um, we talked about that. I did better, but still lost. Um, and yeah, um, the, we went on, and it was one in the end um, by. Uh, I'm trying to remember. Um, Toby Harris, I think. Toby Harris, yeah, flying a decimator. Um, yeah, he's. I'm, I'm looking at list. He, he had Sunte fell with Predator, Tyranny with Death Troopers, Vader and Dauntless, and then Duchess and Predator. Uh, so we are we are definitely getting to a point where the unfancied, unpopular ships are doing well. Although it looks to be a heavily Jedi dominated sort of top. 8, 10, 12, 16, with a bit of Fenrir yeah. thrown in. Yeah, there was a massive amount of Jedi and a massive amount of Imperials, and it was mostly Imperial Aces. Um, Toby's basically flying an Imperial Ace list, but one of them's a large base decimator um, that he's throwing in to things. You know, Darth Vader crew burning um, tokens or throwing free damage out. Dauntless, so he's getting actions even when he bumps. Um, rack then you know reinf- you know you've got to reinforce so you're turning the focus for free um and then duchess and Suntier threatening the flanks i didn't see him playing it and i wish i had because um it doesn't on paper look like it should be winning um but it has done so toby has gone um nine and oh he's gone six and on swiss and he's um then gone through to win in the final so he's obviously a very very accomplished pilot flying a very very uh, strong list and i think death troopers were the secret sauce there because you want to jump into range yeah, well, one of been, rack. To, um, Toby's been around the block a few times, um, so yeah, congrats to him, um, and and a huge room for him to be to be winning uh, nine and zero. That's yeah. really impressive, especially yeah. with a with a list that is is kind of unfancied. Yeah, um, and then yeah, in the final, the other list was Leon Smith. Um, Leon, sorry, I should say um, Smith, um, who was flying uh, Fenrau crackshot. Um, the Boba Fett, Jammy Bean, Maul, Proxmines, Hull Upgrade, Fearless and Slave one. So that was the list that the Dutch all took to Worlds. Um, yeah, and he just, I, wish he, I, I, I wish was, I liked Slave one. I wish I liked that <laughs> title. It should, be, it, should, it should be so good, but I just can't make it work. Yeah, I, I had a chat with him about it, and he just said he, he, he was looking for a good wingman for Fenn, and he saw the Dutch using that list, and he thought, ooh fancy that so he's been playing a few games with it and he was like yeah this is this is the thing for me so um again yeah well well played to him because he's um 
he's gone, what's that, six and two over the course of the day. One loss in Swiss, came second in Swiss, and then um, and then gone all the way to top table. So, um, so yeah, congratulations to both of those guys. It was really good. Um, um, I do. What, I, sorry, yeah, go on, I was going to say go on, one, one massive shout. Rick Hancock, who made the top eight with Dengar. Yeah, I, I was so astonished by that. I took a picture of it because I didn't believe it. <laughs> so I could look at it the next day. Um, well, yeah, he, in the show notes. <laughs> he lost his um, he lost his top eight game by three points, I think, against um, Simeon, uh, Simeon Arnold. So it was like a super, super close, tense game. Like they genuinely didn't know who'd won when time was called. Um, so they had the TO over like counting up the points and everything and making sure that it was, you know, counting points destroyed and ignoring bids and, and all this kind of stuff. Um, and yeah, when it when it came down to it, um, unfortunately for Rick, Simeon had uh, had just popped um, past him. Um, so then, yeah, uh, but yeah, it's it's awesome seeing ships like that around, um, you know, doing stuff. It's uh, it doesn't I, I look am... like it should be a good list, but obviously he's been playing it really well as well. So that's well, brilliant. Fenrau and Ulterop both with Fearless, they they make sense. But then spending the rest of your points on Predator Dengar with Baffle and Title. I, I'm just looking at that and thinking, I, I wish somebody would turn up and put that on the other side of the table when I mess at a tournament. It, it just yeah. looks like a load of easy points and a ship that is definitely going to be turning left an awful lot. Yes. But, I mean, watching the um, watching the, the closing kind of few minutes of the, of that top eight game, Dengar was untouched. Um, so they, they, the, the aces hadn't gone after Dengar at all. They'd been having a, a, an ace-off between Fenrawal, Terok and... Uh, the three Imperials. Um, well, I think Dengar was battleshipping a bit. So, um, But yeah, as I say, I didn't see the game, but it, it would be another one I'd love to have been able to watch. Yeah, it feels like one where you'd go and scoop the points out of Dengar and then hope that Fenrau and Ulterok didn't do too much damage while you were deleting him. But that could be a trap. Yeah, it could you, be. You, you, know, you could just be walking into a load of bait. So yeah, that's an um, interesting list. Um, I might lose with that at the club on Tuesday. Um, <laughs> Give it a try. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, on which note, uh, we will wrap up there. Uh, we're going to be back uh, in the week talking about some of the most recent news that's been happening next week. Uh, in the meantime, it's goodbye from me, Buddy, well, and goodbye from Rich Polly. Before you, before you do goodbyes, there's a few things I just want to say quickly. Um, yeah, so, go ahead. Um, there's just um, one thing was a lot of people came up to us and said thank you very much for doing the podcast um, and for the amount of content that we're trying to put out and for the regularity with which we do it. And it was really cool to actually meet some people who listen to us babbling on about X-Wing two or three times a week. Um, so that was super awesome. Um, and I have promised um, to give a shout out to the IGC club from Bridgewater. That's Intrepid Gaming Club. Um, they're quite a small club from down in Somerset and there was three guys there. And they made me feel like I had cyst takers in the room with the amount of crap they were chucking at me, but also the <laughs> amount of the amount of support that they gave me. So, like um, one of the guys, um, Mike Bonnie, went and you know grabbed me a sandwich when I was getting ready from a Top Cut game so that I could um, eat um, because I was starving. Um, and then there was a guy um, called Matt Coggins who, having listened to the podcast, decided on the spur of the moment to bring baby Anakin because I'd been talking about how much fun he was. And then he came up to me all disappointed to find out that I wasn't flying baby Anakin. Um, so um, 
yeah, and and then you know we spent the entire time misering me about some SysTaker target locks, and it became kind of an ongoing joke. Um, so I was giving them to other people, but just not to him, and all this kind of stuff. <laughs> um, so it was really good fun. So uh, yeah, Matt and Mike, and then uh, Mark Packer Hughes, who's uh, the other guy, who's um, coming up to the SysTaker Open as well. So um, and the rest of them are thinking about trying to, to sort out coming out uh, because it's Excellent. a two-day event. So. Um, yeah, there's a few people doing that. Um, yeah. And I, I did just want to say as well that um, the event was really well run. Um, I meant, didn't mention it before, but they did free tea and coffee. You basically paid a pound at the start of the day and then you could just bring your mug back and they just filled it up again for you. Um, so that was brilliant. Um, and yeah, it was uh, it was really smooth, really well run and um, really welcoming. So yeah, thank you to everybody in, in Excelsior and Bristol. Okay, and just on the subject of Sith Taker Open, first weekend of February next year at Element Games, um, ticket sales are going better than we had hoped, which is great news. Um, I'm not saying that we're going to be turning people away, but equally, if you think you're coming, I would not hang about, get a ticket, uh, because uh, sales have, as I say, been doing pretty well. And the prize pool's amazing. So that aw- that awesome grand years, prize. It's that awesome yeah. grand prize, Bob. That's what it yeah. is. I mean, the, the <laughs> issue is, if they do fly to you, are they going to be sat next to me on the plane? Well, that's a punishment. <laughs> OK, uh, we'll leave it there, and we're going to be back later in the week. Turn off from me, Bob D, and goodbye from Rich Polly. Goodbye. to keep